Can anyone catch them, do you think? Uh, yes, of course. As unbelievable as it sounds, this is another Arsenal podcast that is the Away Gunners podcast. We bring news and reaction from Arsenal fans from all over the world. On this final episode of the Away Gunners podcast season 2020-2021, me, Arun, Ellen and Deepak get together to do a review of the complete season that Arsenal had. We discuss about the players, goals, improvements and other stuff to check out. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Away Gunners podcast. We've got the whole gang with us. Hi Aaron, hi Ellen, hi Deepak. Hi guys. Hi. So now that the season is over, are you guys feeling a little bit like uh, de-stressed instead of always being in this in this uh, mentality of what is going to happen or why are we so bad? <laughs> this oh, has me. been a <laughs> relief. <laughs> but not exactly because of, because like this is like uh, routine that we are having for the last 10 15 years now it has become like part of your life <laughs> so no stress or decent like it's always the same <laughs> even if they have a good run for five games or a bad run for five games we always think okay this has happened in the past we know what will happen <laughs> if they have a bad run for five games you're like oh my god when is this going to end if they have a good run of five games oh my god this is going to end soon so let's Arsenal never gives us a moment of happiness, but <laughs> uh, but the truth is also let me put this uh, season in uh, in uh, season in numbers 2020-2021. Oh, that's a very tough thing to say. Um, we won 18 games, drew seven games, lost 13 games, scored 55 goals, let in 39 goals, and ended up with 61 points. Happy with those numbers, Deepak? Uh, no. <laughs> not even one. Not even one of those numbers. No, never. No. This, uh, this defense 39 goals is just like a myth. <laughs> that, will, will, that will never satisfy me unless we score more goals. Uh, because can, be you that, uh, yeah. can you say Manchester City start? <laughs> why Why are we comparing that with the city? No, no, no. I want to see the defensive goal. Like, a goal considered alone. Why? Goals considered alone. Leave we, the other one. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves with a city or, or anyone no, no, at no. all. No, no, not for that. Like, just for the goals considered. I think like, they'll be close to us or less than us. They are less than us. They consider yeah, that's 32. What that's what I'm saying. They're, like, so this 39, right, will be valuable only the other things happen. They scored 83 goals, which is less, I guess, for them. Yeah, it's less. Which is See, less for uh, them. Now, this season, right, we expected every team to struggle because of, like, shortened time duration uh, for all the games. Like, say, every, uh, for almost, like, 70% of the season, it was, like, three uh, days once, like, they were playing games. So, yeah. we cannot see those five or six goals. 
but at the same time it is not like always 10 or 002 it will be at least like a 2 3 and that is what you are seeing like uh, in the ratio we can guess three sun is like abu max for nothing else yeah last season <laughs> yeah uh yeah that is true uh, arun your thoughts on the season we finished eighth yeah. i'm i'm glad it's over i mean like <laughs> i don't have to look at the table again i don't have to like think about the games again i'm just glad it's over you know like like ellen said like you said right at the beginning it's it's i don't even know if it's relief i'm just like you yeah. I I don't know how to express this but it just feels like some a, a huge thing is it's it's away from my eyes now I don't have to look at like disaster <laughs> over and over again you know it's away from my eyes so transfer whatever happens doesn't happen that's a joke that we've been like looking at for for like Ellen said last 15 seasons it's been a joke so that's like the entertainment part but this was an entertainment transferring <laughs> the season so you don't have to look at that anymore it's away from your eyes i'm happy about that i'm not going to look into like the eighth position nothing no i'm happy but the worst <laughs> thing is we had this podcast for the whole season and we have been looking at it like not just as fans but as podcasters so we have to relive it again so and as people too <laughs> like it's, it's only so much you can take as a human being right <laughs> <laughs> listen to this arsenal you are affecting people now <laughs> not just arsenal fans people too but uh, let's start with the this this is an uh, this is an episode that we try to capture as like the uh, review for the season so let's start with something positive to start with uh, you know uh, to look back and think as like which would be our best game of the season for for you right like uh, let, uh, i don't i don't um, what do you think was our best game of the season first this game of the season for me was uh, the chelsea game uh, december 3-1 that we won uh, now it it's it was very important for a lot of reasons it we that was the first time we played with a change formation we played with like number 10 and more importantly we played the youngsters who made like a huge difference for the rest of the season and the gameplay in itself in that game was like really good it seemed like it was going to be the start of of uh, something uh, good nice and something that would make us smile for the rest of the season but again as usual uh, it, it it ended up being false uh, it was all a false dawn false so for me like uh, yeah that that game for me was the best game um, and and the way in which we played it was though it was like a frank lampard led chelsea it was chelsea nonetheless right so still a big team and we managed to like beat them beat them handsomely by 3-1 so for me that was definitely like um, my best game of the season mm. yeah but also is it also exaggerated by the fact that we had a very very bad run till that game so no one expected no one expected us to win in that game true yeah in that in that sense it makes it even more important and even more like you know a, a big game because like i said it we were shit right till that point and and uh, it was not just like we we went in with the same team that we'd been playing before and all of a sudden something clicked and everyone started playing with no it was like a complete like change went from playing three at the back to four at the back we had to get in the right people to score the goals there are other other games too where uh, like our gameplay was excellent case in point being like the lester game where like the first half was like i felt like that was very reminiscent of uh, how we used to play against under wenger in terms of the passing like the precision and everything but we did end up losing that game right so it's not just about the beautiful football in my eyes it's about like the changes that you make what clicks and it looks good on the pitch and you get the final result that at the end that you want so in that sense for me like 
um, the Leeds game 4-2, yeah, good, but it was again all our man, if you really think about it. So, as a team, we performed well with the new people in. That was, like, for me, the 3-1 against Chelsea. Mm, interesting. Deepak, what about you? What's your best game? Of- yeah, same, Chelsea game. It was <laughs> like, we that game pretty much summed up Arsenal as a club. We started well and we were in complete control. And then, like, after something changed, we were, we could have, like, drawn that game, actually, yeah. closely. <laughs> if not for Lampard, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, like, from the kickoff, we were, like, really good. We were controlling the entire game. Yeah. And we started, like, all these uh, angsters. And it was, like, really good to see. But still, I believe that Saka goal was, like, a look. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Yeah, but, like, Thanks to our uh, like agent Jorginho and stuff. <laughs> cool. But yeah, like if the fans was there in the stadium, I think it would have been like a, a great atmosphere at the time. Like yeah, yeah, given that we were like losing so many games. But if if fans were there game. in the stadium, would you think we would have won that game? We would have probably yes, yeah. We like sometimes under underestimate our fans. They do cheer us on like it, that. It was just. Uh, it was a similar, sorry to cut you off, but it was a similar Chelsea game where like Baron and Martinelli scored the goals and the atmosphere there was electric, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it makes you think what would have happened if fans had been there for this one too. So, yeah, I think the fans would have done. As much as I know how our fans are and how much we berate the team and things go, don't go right, which is most <laughs> of the time, I think this is a game that would have, uh, like a fa- the presence of fans would have helped this game. Yeah. Mm. But uh, speaking about Chelsea... Chelsea won the UCL, so we we actually let's not talk about it. I mean, the... <laughs> we did a double. We did a double. We did, we did a double. We did a double over the UCL champions. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <He's> a positive. <laughs> so, Ellen, are you going to say like same game as the best no. game of the season? No. Okay. No, like I said right before the pod starting that I'm going to play controversial first. Yeah. Go ahead. For me, it was the Fulham game, the very first game where mm-hmm. we won three zero. The reason being, right, like... The, the reason being, the one, Williams' best game and Alan Williams' best game. No, yeah, it's not Williams' best game. As well, like, he had three assists. See, it was more like all the things clicked in that game. Like, say, for example, that corner goal, which mm-hmm. we practiced and, like, it came. Williams had a free kick, like, which hit the post. Like, it was more like, in a gameplay-wise, like, whatever the tactics we were trying to implement, everything happened perfectly in that game. I don't see any other game where that happened. For that reason, like I'm going to say, that's our best game. Actually, I, I listened to the old pod and uh, I was listening to uh, Ellen talk about uh, us signing William. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, if we get, we have got William, so this is going to be positive and this is going to be like, he's going to score so many goals. He's going no, but to again, <laughs> let me then... say this. If William gets transferred this uh, season, right, he will do well in the next club too. I have yeah. a feeling that. Yeah, he, he might well have, but uh, he didn't fit at the Arsenal. That's, uh, yeah, that's something like yeah, they didn't work out uh, for him here. Yeah. My uh, my favorite game, or my, for me, the best game of the season was the West Brom game where we played in the snow, where we scored uh, like a lot of goals and uh, it was... It was Katie playing uh, as if like it's a normal game. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a really good game to watch, you know, Joyful game, not not stressful, not anything that um, that is usually associated with uh, uh, Arsenal. Also, yeah. I like the I like 
you point that out because at that point, given where West Brom were, it was supposed to be a given for us. But I don't think we were really confident about the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, not just that, right? Also, the uh, the the conditions were bad, uh, and it it was just a joyous game. It was not about like whether we did good, whether we did bad, or whatever. But uh, I think it was more like I. I I enjoyed the game for what it is. Mm. It that that has been uh, that has that has not happened in a long time for us as a team. I think after even last of Wenger years, we didn't feel that. But during during the peak Wenger years, or during when the kids uh, the project youth time of Wenger, that's when we used to do that, right? When we used to. Uh, when we used to have that joy of watching a game which we never had after that but one more game that i like to highlight was the uh, the comeback game against was it west ham i think where we did the uh, three. yeah 3-3 yeah where we came back that was the last uh, last 97th minute or something where we scored the last goal right that was a very satisfying game for me too as a fan those two games and the chelsea game of course uh, as a team we we wanted that so uh, i didn't watch the west ham second half i switched off <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah but it was it was kind of uh, odd for arsenal to do it uh, because we i mean we expect that from united we expected that uh, from uh, city maybe but not from arsenal arsenal always rolls over uh, that's that's our given condition but then we saw that we uh, sometimes do like some comebacks <laughs> no, in the past, like during Wenger time, during 80 to 90th minute, we have done a lot of comebacks. Not yeah. after 90, like which United does, but 80 to 90, we have done a lot of comebacks. But speaking about I'm United, right, they went like a little bit ahead uh, this season. They won a game after the final whistle was blown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen only with United. <laughs> yeah, that's what. Like, since like we have done this after 97th minute, right, they went uh, to the next level. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, uh, now that we have talked about the best of the season, I think uh, it is time to move on to the worst of the season. I'll start with uh, Deepak on that one. Deepak, what is the worst game of the season for you? Where do we start? Where do we start? Real second leg. That will be my worst game. Nothing can change that. I was so confident that we will win 2-0 and we will go to the finals. But again, the we lost against the champions. Disappointed. <clears throat> but we again, we again, we lost against the champions. Was that a? Better... I don't care. We lost against the champions <laughs> or anything. <laughs> we simply didn't turn up that game. It was like so frustrating to watch that game. I never felt like so angry and disappointed at Arsenal after watching that game. It was like something that. It was like watching like a training session where Villarreal just gave the ball and we were just passing it to us and not doing anything. Simply ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, this season had a lot of those uh, games. Ellen, do you have a different game or do, are you going that to... Is no, okay. no. Like, we had like a no, lot no. of bad games, but still like, given the we importance like, uh... of that game and no, nothing can be put into words how I felt. Angry that time. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me also the same game. Just because like uh, whatever we had, like uh, see for us the European qualification, everything depended on that game. See, it is okay. Like we had played and lost. 
the game right like if somebody has seen without knowing about the scores they would have thought we are leading like uh, after the first leg and we are trying to make sure the other team is not scoring it looked like that like there was not even a single attack we were trying kind of thing and like that attitude right like see there will be a lot of bird games if you see the season there will be hundreds of uh, examples for that but like attitude wise also it was like completely bad you cannot say even a single positive thing in that game so that is for me also the very worst game of the season but uh, <clears throat> let me put this to you guys i mean talking about the worst game of the season so we have to talk about the worst run of the of the season too from the time in 28 september to the chelsea game that we were talking about we played 13 games we won three games including the chelsea one and then drew two games lost eight games we lost 13 games to a, in, in in the entire season but in that run we lost eight games that's how bad our season was during that that time of the time of the year so imagine me saying villarreal game was like worse than that you can see how <laughs> we how bad we played that game yeah yeah for me yeah like i agree we were pretty shit during that that phase but there was some semblance of a formation some organization something on the pitch even though it didn't work out during that phase we were shit it was there for me the game that i would say is probably the worst game of the season is not the second leg but the first leg where we played with emil smith row as the false nine for me that was the worst game of the season i mean like you are going into the first leg against a team against a manager who's won it like a million times knows how to play the thing and you are supposed to be like sort of a cup specialist and you go there and you play esr as number 9 like what sort of logic is that like, what, what are you that's trying that's the worst decision taken by uh, our coach uh, yeah so that's the thing for me that game was like i i i had the same feelings that deepak had while watching the second leg during while watching the first leg of that i i i was i was very angry i just didn't know how to express it for me it was like uh, dude we've made you uh, the manager of a club that is like one of the top 10 clubs in the world and we made you a manager probably because we didn't have anyone else but like you are the manager now you know do something instead of playing like a guy like esr as number 9 we as people who have like played maybe like a, a fraction of what arteta has done were able to see on the pitch that it was all going completely bonkers like esr i have no idea what was going on but this man continue playing that and then that baffled me totally so for me that was like the worst worst game of the season <clears throat> interesting i i mean for me yes uh, those legs felt uh, felt bad during that time but looking back for me somehow i have i've put that into a box saying like okay yeah we lost to the ultimate champions and and uh, so and i i am not valuing europa league to that level or it it is not impacting me to the level that what that run that i mentioned to you earlier was um especially for me the worst game was when we played aston villa during that run when where we lost three goals uh, i mean three goals to nothing um that felt really bad because if you remember just a couple years back aston villa is a team where we wouldn't we would have taken that game for granted we would go there or they would come here no matter where we play them we would just swat them aside right that is what as an arsenal so, expect i mean they have yeah, made... sir, just to yeah. no just to like give you a view point like i think the one game before that or one game after that 
the Aston Villa team defeated Liverpool also 7-0. Yeah. yeah. The no. seven, not 7-0, 7-2. 7-2, I think. Yeah, 7-2. Yeah, 7-2. No, so, like, uh, we cannot, like, take Aston Villa this season, right? They did, like, some good transfers no, and they were good. I mean, I, but I, I agree on that point, like, uh, whatever you are saying. Say, for example, even City game, right? City was playing without KDB and, like, most of the important players. They were not, like, going beyond the second gear and still we didn't win that game. Like, uh, there were many instances like that. Leicester game, like, uh, we were, like, actually, like, without body, they were playing. And they, at that time, they had, like, only body as the main focus of attack itself. And, like, we lost that game also 1-0. There were, like, a lot of 1-0 because we didn't attack. I agree on whatever you are saying. But again, like we stick to our points, but I agree, like, or I'm able to understand what you are trying to say. Yeah, I mean, f- for me, the problem is not about like the team or whatever, whatever the strategy for the day or how we played or nothing like that. It was just a harrowing place as a fan for me during that time because we were talking about relegation when, when Arsenal is concerned. And, and it was not a talk of like, uh, you know, the Twitter base where fa- Arsenal Twitter fans are always like, over exaggerating everything at least that's how we see it but that was a reality yeah during that phase that was a reality i felt that we might get relegated i was really during that round i was like counting like who will get red card in this game yeah <laughs> right remember the wolves game where like the Louis. Mope, David Louis. yeah we had such a like i actually remember that game because i went uh, downtown to watch the game in some bar and the bar was closed so i had to drive back home to watch the game again the game has started and i was i was having the game on when i was driving in in my phone listeners listeners of the podcast we do not endorse this sort of behavior <laughs> we do not <laughs> but that wolves game was after like uh, the chelsea game which we started having a good run yeah but before that we were what was those games i forgot it was like I believe it was against Burnley. Brighton, I think. No, it was like everybody. It almost yeah, like Burnley, the, uh, Abu Mayan scored a own goal and we lost the game. Yeah. <laughs> then, see, the, the, like, was, like, uh, see yeah, after the West Ham game, right? Like, after the West Ham game, like, the, after the first three, four games, we played nearly like 14, 15 opponents and everybody, like, we played the same way. So you don't yeah. have to find out like which is the opponent. Almost all the opponents Very play true. the same. Thing. Every week, uh, like new week, same story. New week, same story. That's how it was, and that's yeah. that's why like for me, like uh, the Villarreal game was even more frustrating because at that point, like you were mentioning, the, the the harrowing streak that we had of losing everything, we kind of accepted that this is how the season was going to be. You know, at that point, everything was shit every week. So you're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you're expecting a loss. If, if, if we do get a draw or a win, that's a bonus, but it's going to be a loss. So, when we were in that state of mind, a loss didn't seem like too much of a problem at that point. But when we started playing and we like we had gotten some hope that something could possibly happen during that phase when we were in the Europa League contention, and then that Villarreal game happened, that made it even more frustrating. So, that's why like I think all three of us probably say the same, uh, the, the same game for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're given some hope, and then you're made to feel good. And then all of a sudden, with lower like 90 minutes, you see they're getting snatched away from, not just snatched away. You're being thrashed and made to like uh, feel how low you are. And then it's thrashed away, you know? Yeah, so, but but also, I mean, we barely got through before that, right? Like, I think against Benefica, if uh, if I remember rightly, that was Aubameyang coming in, scoring that goal that saved us, uh, uh, put us through the next round. Uh, I think uh, I'm not... I'm see, not that is what... No, no. 
no that is what we are saying like at least something was tried in those games and like uh, we went to the games like, are always here right there was nothing was happening european like, games cup games are sometimes lottery cup games are sometimes yeah, lottery right, yeah. see even like uh, if you take the final like uh, if david dj like uh, followed the instructions given by his coach right like united would have been the champion like uh, that was a scenario like so cup games are always like lottery but like uh, not even like uh, coming to the pitch is what was the worst part of that uh, villarreal game <laughs> you were not even on the pitch <laughs> now i remember like during that run there was a game against everton yeah i was 100% sure we will lose that game yeah there was kind of an eventuality that somehow everton would score and we wouldn't do anything <laughs> and and the game had nothing in it like yeah. we were not playing they were not playing it was a it was such a uh, such a no i don't know low point in in the arsenal yeah. being a national <laughs> fan that point we are like we are going into the games thinking like yeah we are going to lose even watching the game we are thinking like yeah now they will score now they will score now they will score i mean and that is being numb right it is not being yeah. like scared like when we are playing united we always feel that oh my god they will score at this point or that point or like that is something like just united any team at this point <laughs> yeah no but but that is all that is a that is a fear factor but this is more of a numb factor where i'm like yeah they're going to score we are going to lose that's it what else what else are we going to do right that is how bad that that entire was right and um, yeah looking back at the numbers I, we 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 also lost uh, north london derby during that time where yeah, yeah. spurs did nothing they, we know yeah. that they are going to play kane and son that's all they are going to do and that's all they had to do to win that uh, north london derby they did absolutely nothing they came in they smashed like two passes see that was a period no, that was a period where like uh, we will play the ball within ourselves we'll make one mistake which the opponent team will use they'll score the goal with that exact mistake we'll just give one or two chances like this because all the other time we'll have the ball we'll not do anything with that and we'll lose this was a pattern you could see in most of the games mm-hmm. yeah and we play, we do, we did all that uh, lack as that being the number 10 during that time oh we did the God. whole yes. <laughs> <laughs> see, we tried everybody in number 10 like we tried everybody in number 10 until yeah, so covid and other injury killed us honestly why did you have to do this <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the whole point of uh, the season review around that we have to bring up the arsenal fans trauma if you have numbed yourselves away from that that's what we are here to do bring back yeah. the trauma make your life uh, that much worse by reminding those things um, but yeah that's that's all the bad uh, games and are the bad part of the season i mean i'm not so saying that we're talking about like bad performances about the season review just the bad performances i think we'll end up like using two zoom meetings for sure <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah that is true that is true <laughs> so yeah that is true what arun said that if we keep talking about the worst part of the season or the worst things in the season we would probably end up ending up with like a 6 hour podcast and still crying so let us let us put that behind us and let's talk about something positive like uh, some of the goals that we scored i mean we scored very less goals in the season but still we scored some good goals in the season is what i think 
Uh, Ellen, do you have a best goal of the season contender from you? Yes. No, no. It's not like best goal in terms of creativity or uh, this thing. Because like once like we started playing number 10 and ESR order got coming, there were like a lot of beautiful goals. Mm-hmm. And Pepe did like some in Europa also, if you see, right? He did some good goals. But for me, the best goal as a fancy, it's just based on the feeling was like when we scored in the corner in that Fulham game, the very first game again. Because for me, Arsenal scoring a goal on a corner <laughs> kick and that too, like uh, as per the training, like it was like, yeah. if you see, right, it was like clearly planned and strategy wise, like it's a planned out goal, like such a kind of goal when we score in corner, right? I see that's a once in a generation goal for me. <laughs> and for that reason, right, like that's uh, uh, my uh, best goal for this uh, season. Arsenal scoring a corner, that too in the first game of the season. No, Arsenal score, <laughs> scored in uh, corners before. No, but like uh, training. No, no, no. We have training... scored in the corners in the past also. Training like uh, corner goal, like uh, yeah. a well-executed training goal. Yeah, and also we were talking about how the new set-piece uh, specialist is going to change this season after that goal. <laughs> how we, we went on an overdrive. <laughs> we, we, we behave like the average uh, Arsenal fan a lot during this season. <laughs> we are. Every time something good happen, we're like, yes, this is the beginning of something great. Are things going to change? Yes. Revolution. But we are average Arsenal fans, Arun. That's the whole point. <laughs> we are, yeah. That's the whole point of the, of the podcast. The fun part That's is that truth. we kept criticizing all the other Arsenal fans and we ended up being more ourselves. <laughs> Typical Arsenal fan behavior, even in that scenario, where we, we will criticize AFTV, we will criticize uh, Twitter Arsenal fans, but we will behave yeah. the same way. <laughs> But uh, Arun, I'll hold you there. Do you have a goal in mind for the best goal of the season? Uh, I think the easy way thing to say would be anything that Pepe scored. Yeah, each <laughs> one was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> anything that he he scored um, was good. Like I was just the fun thing was I was I uh, I told like I told you guys before the, we started the recording, I was not able to remember any of the good goals. Uh, the first thing that came to my head was actually the one that Odegaard scored. Uh, I think it was a Europa League game, left-footed shot, uh, really powerful, went up, uh, um, and the goalkeeper couldn't save it. But then, as I was saying that, I had my uh, Chrome, uh, uh, my Facebook open on the right, and uh, my luck or anything, there was a new uh, post from Arsenal which showed all of Pepe's goals. And I saw those goals, and I'm like, okay, any one of these could be the best. Because all of the goals, like, the way in which he's, he doesn't he, he does score, but then the way in which he scores and looks really good. If you actually see the build-up to the goal, uh, um, an example would be like the one that was scored against Leicester. Mm-hmm. Like the entire game play uh, that happened with and ended with him scoring the goal was fantastic. So uh, any goal that Pepe scored, I think, was really um, good to look, you know, like very good to see. Uh, so for me, any goal that he scored would be like a, a best goal contender. Actually, I'll hold you there for uh, thoughts on Pepe, right? Because we were thinking of uh, Pepe as being a creator, but this season especially has proved that he's more goal scorer okay. than yeah, he's more a finisher than a than a creator, right? He has scored like ten goals this season in in mm-hmm. Premier League yeah. and one assist. Uh, and if you consider the Europa League, he scored six goals and four assists. Right and all his like if you look at most of his goals they they are not fluke goals like he didn't do any tap ins he didn't do any 
I mean, he scored a penalty, I guess. Or no, like every know. goal, even if it was his weaker foot, you knew that that was going to be like a proper shot that's yeah. going to go in. Like the one that he scored against Wolves, uh-huh. and even the one that he takes on his right foot. He yeah. gets into the box, he clears up space, but then you think he's going to use his left foot. He switches his right away to his right foot and he scores. And the shot that went in didn't seem like it was being scored of someone's uh, weaker foot. Yeah, that's what I said. Like every every goal that he scored was so good to see, you know, like in terms of whether there was a beautiful play or not. But he was like he was the only one who was taking defenders on. He was beating them, mm-hmm. and then he was scoring the goal. It wasn't like he was going till the last part. trying to beat defenders and losing of course he did lose lose the ball a lot but that's what you expect from a high risk high reward player right but but uh, deepak talking about pepe actually i want to ask your opinion on pepe uh, in a, in a particular way right because um, we were thinking of i mean as i mentioned before we were thinking of him as a creator and even arted i think was thinking of him as a creator first because saka used to cut in and pepe used to like pepe was asked to go on the overlap or on the outside but in the last part of the season we saw that switch or we saw that table turn right like where either esr goes out or saka goes out and pepe was asked to cut in and that kind of brought in the better of pepe do you yeah, see pepe. this as a, like i mean do you see this as a start or do you are am i reacting as a common arsenal fan again Yeah, this common Arsenal, typical <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, Pepe has been decent, or like he has been like good. Like if you if you look at him as a like a what like a twenty five million or thirty million player, he has done good. He has been what like I would say he has been our best player in Europa League, and he has like decent numbers in Premier League too. But which is like stat padding as usual in the last. meaningless games uh, but if you take the positives probably he can improve which is what we said last year too but yeah let's keep the hope no and, but but from last uh, let's year hope skilled again <laughs> <laughs> no but from last year he has really improved right i mean uh, last year i think he scored 10 goals or something uh, in the in all competitions but no, this year he scored more like it wasn't like that big difference i 13, guess it 13. was only 2 3 goals or something 13 13 yeah oh, okay i think this season Last he has like i think 13 goals and like 13 assists so oh, given this more assists. Who, <laughs> given this who would you like guys like on the right uh, do you think it should be saka on the right or pepe on the right of course it's like it seems likely that both of them are going to be starting next season uh, would i would like them? prefer uh, i always wanted like uh, a pepe on the left i never find him comfortable on the right he is always trying to dribble and he's always about to like uh, fall follower <laughs> he somehow i feel him like he is not comfortable in the ball when i look at him something is i don't know yeah. probably no 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 what i will uh, make him do is like i'll make him play in the center and ask him not to dribble <laughs> no no he might work I, yeah, I, might, I, yeah. but I finisher and like if he doesn't dribble right like he will not lose the ball but also i don't think that is a good chance uh, eren i think we lost eren right there or i don't think that's a good idea especially because uh, premier league has uh, defenders who will bully him uh, he is um, yeah. right like when as a as a start starting uh, uh, you know uh, 
for center forward for arsenal i don't see him being a starting center forward when arteta can start like emil smith row and william as false nine <laughs> why not start pepe as a forward that is the whole point right we shouldn't do that is the whole point <laughs> no 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 the false nine we 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 have strength no, when we played false nine right like i thought it was pepe who's going to play that role because like he can finish well and like uh, that was like the surprise we were trying to do but uh, arteta still doesn't trust his finishing no he, I, he surprised our surprise so that is that is what no, it is uh, let me uh, like answer because i got lost at that time let me answer uh-huh. why i say he can play in the center if you okay. take any of pepe's goal right many of them are difficult angles uh-huh. and he scores well Whereas if you see even in this season, right, like like take say for Laka against Liverpool, it's one on one. He will miss many goals. <laughs> There are like many situations like one on one they will miss it. Whereas this guy scores from difficult angles and he's like see many times even if he doesn't score, was at least on target many times. So yeah. that is why I said like uh, he has that potential. See, I'm not saying him like something like a theory entry kind of thing. Don't put that because like we get to <laughs> forward uh, this thing. I'm saying like he can do more value there. if he is used to that but uh, talking about our pl goal scoring statistics uh, lacazette is our highest goal scorer with 13 goals that that and yes. and and uh, obameyang last season had 22 goals this season has 10 goals yeah so that's yeah. where the difference is uh, we lost 12 goals from him And, and that's reflected on the table right yeah i think that is that is really reflected on the table and uh, talking about the best goals for me i have a couple of other ones i think uh, i mean i'll i'll go with deepak first sorry deepak for skipping you there yeah. do you have a best goal in your mind yeah like when you said your favorite game was the west brom game in the snow i remember the goal which saka scored the, uh, the team goal or uh, was yeah. like vintage arsenal Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Emil Smith Rowe passing to Lacazette, and uh, then getting Lacazette. back again. Yeah, it was like watching like rolling back the yes, Wenger's time. It was like really good goal, and also Katie scored a really good individual goal. <laughs> that in that, that was that was my take for the best goal for, because I love Katie and and the way he played that game, like the snow was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah. he was wearing like short sleeves running around like this was nothing uh vintage uh, kati and uh, also like the goal he scored where he kind of like push that is a goal he creates pushes yeah. the ball ahead of the defender goes past him uh, gets the ball cuts in and then scores with his uh, weak right foot or whatever that is but the good thing is he never tried that ba- again and that is a good thing for me because i don't think he can do that again <laughs> <laughs> i mean we know how uh, every time parte shoots we are like oh why is he doing it because he would have done that sometime right he would have scored that goal sometime and he is trying to recreate it and every time shaka tries that where he tries to score from long range we we always call him an idiot but kt understood that that is a freak he didn't try that again um i also like the goal that uh, pepe scored where uh, he takes that up on a volley and scores i think towards the end of the season right where saka crosses from the uh, from the left crystal palace yeah was it crystal palace yeah where he yeah, takes yeah. it up on the volley it again on a, his right foot weaker foot yeah yeah oh when uh, arun says anything about pepe you should not question it <laughs> 
but uh, we did score some beautiful goals i think we also had one more of those wenger type goals i don't remember which game we did it i think uh, saka or no who goes in i think lacazette scores the goal at the end where we did yeah. does the whole tiki taka tiki taka in the in the middle and then lacazette goes in and scores uh, so we did have those moments in our uh, in our uh, in our season where we scored a couple of things but do you guys still think that the sco- the uh, the lob shot that saka does against chelsea was <laughs> a goal yeah no. it's a it's a goal hey. but uh, yeah. did he mean it or not yeah, yeah he did no. mean it yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the thing is, uh, whether they mean it or not, like say, even if a goal, like a striker or anybody, right, tries an overhead shot or even a scorpion kick with zero scores, like, see, once it wins in, it's a goal. Like, if they try it and miss it, right, like, you're not considered that that as, he has tried his best, he has planned everything. So, are we giving that as a goal? No, right? Like, so, similar way, whether Saka has intended it or not, it has gone to goal. So, it's a goal, he has tried. <laughs> But this is kind of a, I mean, for me, the problem is how the media kind of portrayed it as like Saka didn't uh, mean it. And th- that's the same kind of uh, talk that people talk about like uh, Burkham's Newcastle goal, right? Like they always ask him like, did you mean it? Did you mean to do it? Did you mean to do it? And and that is kind of, uh, if, if the same thing happened, like the Rooney scoring that overhead kick, right? Where he goes on to that overhead kick. No one asks him like, did you mean it? But when it, it comes Rooney to us, meant it. when you watch it, you can see overhead kick is always meant to go in. <laughs> yeah, but but why is that? Never when when Arsenal does it, like when uh, it Giroud, is like we Giroud are Arsenal fans. Part, you know, you, you know like why? Just I'll, simply I'll... media is against us. There are like so many instances against United. Also, they have asked whether you meant it or not. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's simple. like the stuff that rooney did or like you know like other players do is very normal compared to what these guys are doing you know welcome's goal was a work of genius that is very unlikely to ever get replicated yeah. again on a football pitch overhead It gets any like you've seen like a lot of kicks happening even after that so it's very difficult to un- understand things that are complex and that's probably one of the reasons no because for me the concern is that it is more on arsenal i mean i get that it, it, there will be questions raised of others too like you, you remember the goal that andri scores with his back to the goal he takes the ball turns and like puts that in the corner right Th- that goal people ask him like do you mean it right yeah, why because, that's because so it's like goal to score than like a, an overhead kick It's definitely oh, a more complex goal. Someone like tries to score a goal. You know that he's trying to score a goal. These kind of goal which Bergkamp or Henry scored, it's not going to happen again. Or it's like the percentage of it happening again is like really low. So that's why people ask like, did you even really mean it? For me, like Saka's goal, it's a goal, but it was a cross. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. so let's uh, let's let's continue on the positives a little bit i think uh, we talked about the best goals we talked about uh, best game and everything so who do you think is the most improved player in the team deepak no doubt granite shaka <laughs> that's it <laughs> <laughs> okay give me give me reasons for it give me reasons for he, it he you, is you the most important player without him like we suck to the core he is like the main like he's the first name he should be the first name on the team sheet right now 
given how he has improved and how we suffered when he was playing left back we could but, clearly but is see it, that but is it improvement or this is what shaka is right because he used to play the same way he had a lot of mistakes in him but he used to play the same way like he used to be yeah, he reduced his mistakes if you see except for the red card which he got which was like stupid shaka the usual shaka he improved a lot he reduced his mistakes he doesn't dive into tackles nowadays and his passing has always been good yeah. he's the one who if you see even the previous season the engine. he's the one he's the engine of our team for the last few he's the one who makes the progressive passes so it was like huh, it was easy it was like it was it was an easy answer if you see <laughs> okay because like who else do you think probably you can say pepe but the difference between how much pepe has improved and how much shaka has improved is like huge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay shaka is a really good answer for that question uh, elen do you have a different answer to that question yes yes okay. like but like uh, like tell like the, you asked like we are going to discuss something about this right like i was also of zaka's opinion on me mm-hmm. but like what one thing which changed me was like i compared his gameplay in switzerland or like when we got him these are the qualities like for which we got him and like uh, even during emery's period right like until zaka makes that uh, captainship band uh, throwing and all those things right like until that like emery will have a good run with zaka so because of that reason i am not including zaka as our most improved player because i think he had it in him always i felt it was esr the reason being he hasn't played to this level before and like he was always somebody who gets injured when he tries to do lot more things so that injury also didn't come for it so for those reasons like uh, i'm saying esr hmm esr is a interesting thing right i mean um, is not just about improving as a player he has improved as a, as a team and that is not even stat padding it i mean just from a visual point of view i can see that when he plays we kind of have a cohesion in us uh, the players he, he kind of links to everyone that is something that i see in esr which i don't see in a lot of other players where he could connect with the forwards he could connect with the midfielders he could connect with the wingers he could connect with the uh, overlapping full backs so that is something that is kind of unique that is why i th- i think if you consider like esr on odegaard on the same uh, on the same position i think esr edges out our uh, odegaard for me and yes, definitely uh, for me too that is yes, a that is that like some kind of distinct turn of pace at the first 5 to 10 yards he looks slow but when you see how he beats the players it is like really good to see axis acceleration is really good it, it reminds me a lot of nasri the way in which he moves the the tight spaces and getting the ball back yeah it's all yeah. lot a lot like lot similar to nasri yeah i was thinking the same to same thing to and if i mean as we were talking about the best goals or the team goals that we have scored all those goals are are either created or is are played a very huge part in in those goals so that is where i think yes elen what you said is true i mean he is he is one of our most improved players arun do you have another answer to that it's it's between shaka and pepe and but uh, like deepak said i would go for shaka because this is the shaka that uh, like elen said this is the kind of gameplay that we wanted from him when we got him uh, and though it has taken him like four years of being at arsenal <laughs> to get to the level that we wanted him to it is it has happened on a uh, like on a step by step basis and it is like 
resulted in um, him improving so much, especially after like the, the armband throwing incident and all. I thought his, uh, he was done at Arsenal. You know, like uh, I'm pretty sure everybody at Arsenal who were Arsenal fans thought the same. Now the advantage is that um, we have a player who is probably playing at the best of his potential. The disadvantage is that his the best of his potential might not be good enough for us at this point. So uh, maybe that was what we needed in 2016. But then the game has evolved that his best is not good enough for us anymore. So uh, yeah, most important player Shaka, but um, not good enough. Just to give one uh, additional point to support these guys, like uh, because I was also of Zaka's opinion only. Like, if you take that bound band incident, right, he will not like apologize to fans even after a lot of pressure or anything. Whereas after the Brighton uh, game, right, like he will say he made a mistake and he genuinely said that and he wa- wanted to avoid that. Like, and that could be seen him taking more responsibility. Yes, exactly. Like, there's other angle also, like where he has improved. Mm-hmm. And you will actually do well after that. Because all all these days, all that we saw was like Twitter accounts talking about how great a leader he was. And then he was doing all these mistakes on the pitch. And we as fans were not really ready to accept it. We were not able to see the leadership. Except for these Starfighter guys who would like compile all these things and say that Jaka passed 35 times forward passes. Or Jaka had like 80% accuracy. But we were not able to see it because of the mistakes that he was making. And that stayed in our heads, which made us think more about the mistakes that he probably was going to make rather than appreciate what he was doing during the game. And it was like after uh, all the changes that he made and and especially the Brighton game, I wasn't expecting him to come out and apologize for that mistake that he made. Uh, It it, it showed the effort that he was making and like it also showed on the pitch. Uh, When he was not there, we suffered. When he was playing left back, we suffered. So that showed how important he's become to the team. For me, thing is we are trying to sell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He's played well. He's given us something. We might lose a leader, but Typical then like Arsenal we behavior. Million and we could invest it on a Bissuma for the future. I would be happy. Yeah, if we buy Bissuma, it's good. And if we buy like who's that Sanderberg? It's, it's the same shit. We yeah, are going it's the same to do thing. Again. Like losing out on Kante going for Jota. But uh, sticking to the uh, to the improved players, I mean, Shaka is up there, Pepe is up there. But I do feel that uh, holding should be brought into the conversation because, I mean, you guys know, I know your thought on it, Deepak, especially, <laughs> that he's not good enough. But he has improved as a, as a centre-back. Uh, he, has, he has become from someone who has made a lot of mistakes to someone who's, who we can trust for a 6-on-10 performance week in and week out. Whether the 6 on 10 is good enough for Arsenal? No, not definitely not. But he has improved from what he is to what, what no, he has become right now. I will not accept, I will I will not accept that. that. The reason is, like, you saw Olding before the ACL. He was the, like, as we were saying, right, he was the number one player in the team. But that yeah. was like, a we very, saying, like, that was a very no, small sample Not a very size. small period. No, no, no that's, it that's, was like nearly was... 70% of the season. Yeah. It was not small sample size, and he was the best performer day in, day out. From he that level, he was so good that you wouldn't believe. United fans who are my friends were telling me that holding is a class act. You know, United fans, and and, and these guys are like the ones who uh, don't praise anyone apart from their own players, right? And these guys, my friends, were telling me that holding was a class act. So, uh, yeah, after the ACL, go. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Go on. No, no, no. I was saying the same. Like uh, after the ACL, he hasn't come to that level. So maybe it looks like uh, he has improved for you, but in reality, right? Like he hasn't even 
come to the level like he's doing. See, if you take the editors or, or those kind of things, right, you expect that from a Bolton defenders. Like Owen Coyle, when they brought in, right, they were playing that way day in, day out. So those are the basic skill sets of him. Like, so he has not shown any improvement there. Other areas, I haven't seen much improvement. But maybe again, I'm not sure how much ACL has impacted him. So mm-hmm. not many players will be the same after an ACL. So like uh, that could be a reason. But for me, like after seeing that kind of level from him, right? Like uh, this is not like I would say as an improvement. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What about Chambers then? What What do you guys think about Chambers? Do you think he has made an improvement or do you think, no, nah, it's He's just... Small like, sample size. Yeah, <laughs> but, but... What, six, seven games? That's it. Again, holding and Chambers for me, yeah, they might have improved, but they, is is that the level that we are? No, I'm not. No, I'm not telling that that's the Arsenal level, but I'm saying have they improved? No, no. no. Even if you take the improvement level, right? Like in a scale of ten, if you see how much they have improved, whereas like say Zaka or others, like the scale will be less. It's not yeah. like they haven't improved. They have improved. Like see, if you, again, like if you take a sample size, but like Fulham when they like uh, Chambers was loaned there, they're playing as a DM. not even as a fullback or a like center back and the people right like they rated him as like the best player of the season so if you compare again there right like uh, him not even getting a starting place is not an improvement mm-hmm. if you compare again with those kind of things but like if you see like uh, whether he has improved on a personal level he has improved definitely holding too but like whether that is on a scale of like say 10 like how much they have improved if you compare other players right like they will fall uh, very low one more player that i want to throw into the ring is willock i know he has not played for us to see the improvement but he has he has shown with his eight goal streak or whatever uh, but even with us i think he had a he had a decent decentish uh, run before before the whole uh, september thing kicked in because in europa he scored three goals he gave assists for three goals so he did have a decentish run in europa he did have a decent test run in the cup games maybe in the premier league he didn't or he didn't get enough chances and stuff and but once he went to newcastle he did all those things and now that people are looking into the stats they are saying that that's not a free run that that no, it's not a free run it's not a free run oh, like uh, go ahead deepak uh, yeah he has been like what he has been a surprise package <laughs> i never expected this from him i used to always called him in the whatsapp yeah. <laughs> no i am like the, the only person i think might be happy like because if you see even in one of our past pod like when we are talking about people going i have always said like willock should be loaned out and that to a premier league club not even a champions league club because the only issue i felt with him was his strength yeah he lacked the strength or a physicality to compete here but like so he needs that uh, practice kind of it because he had like the basic uh, all other skill sets good only thing he was lacking was like the physicality and maybe the newcastle or the europa league games right where like he didn't have to do like uh, much of this physical work like it was more like yeah. uh, as a proper midfielder and maybe that click because europa like the level is less here newcastle like see people like asm were not missed because of bilak and like bilak it was not even like he was starting every game many game he came as a substitute and he still scored a goal mm-hmm. and that is not something very uh, easy to do when you are in a run so definitely right like he has a thing but whether he'll be able to replicate that is again a big question mark because in arsenal right he plays a completely different role mm-hmm. so that's where the problem lies 
I mean, I understand that uh, apprehension about Arsenal and Villa, but do you guys see that arriving late? I mean, he's young. He's a really young player. And yes, yes, we yes. should be able to mold something out of him. If we are not able to mold something out of a kid who has shown this much prof- promise, is there something wrong with Arsenal or is there something wrong with the player? Right? I mean, are we only expecting ready-made solutions to us? Or do we... Do we also look at like, okay, this is our future prospect. This is someone who is going to develop into something else. He is not something that we want right now, but he could be developed. Right? Uh, I have like uh, one uh, direct answer for you that like, I think like it's our setup that is making the mistake because if you see the last 10, 15 years, only during that pretty Lumberg period where we had good academic players coming out or under 23 players playing well. Now, even if you see, like, once Freddy left, right, like, last season, we were close to relegation in under-23. See, when you are, like, at that level there, right, how will you get a player coming up or how will you develop a player? Like, when I talk about kids. I mean, yeah, I'm not... the same thing... I'm not talking about the academy, per se. I'm talking about... No, 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 that is what I'm saying. No, 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 I'm saying, right from academy, we have this problem. In academy, you are not going to get good players because of this. And even if you take any player for that example... How many players can we say, like, say, for example, Partey, Willie, and see, there could be a lot of other reasons, but like, if you see that, right, like, or even Zaka for that matter, when we like got him, like, he was like at a different level within Arsenal, right? Maybe the playing setup or some reason, maybe there is no ambition, like, because of which the players are complacent. I'm not blaming the things alone. I'm thinking, like, on an overall culture perspective, also, if you say somewhere, right, like, all the players are not playing to that level, they are like at a level lesser than like what they used to play for their country or for their uh, thing. Even take Torreira, for example. In the World Cup, like, he was like making uh, Ronaldo not to do anything. And here, he was like uh, completely like a player not in that category. So, we can see a lot of examples even in the main 11 or like uh, this thing, players not playing to their level. Very few people we can say like we have gone to a bigger level. See, if you take Auba, he was at that level in the previous club also and he was continuing the same level. It was not like he was going to the next level. So that is maybe like, again, you don't have much players to play to play that level. That could be a lot of reasons. But like, I am not seeing anywhere, either in the academy or in the main team, like such an improvement happening. But Arun, that's the problem, right? That's the problem that we have, that we are not able to, or is it, I don't know, is it because of the recent slump of Arsenal, as in like we have gone to a level of, like we have finished eighth two times in a row. We have finished outside of top four so much times. We have finished behind Tottenham for five years in a row now. Is that why we are not ready to, you know, we are we are, are we are ready to sell players like Willak? Willak, we are saying like, oh, if we get a good money, sell him. It's it's a matter of uh, balancing fans' expectations and at the same time seeing what is going to fit the manager, right? So like, we did have it has happened in the past before, like with Wenger, he knew which which um, midfielders he needed. Like, even if you look at a Diaby or Denilson, Wenger did manage to make them play in this midfield, in his midfield, uh, you know, like, and make things work. So, it depends on the kind of vision that the manager has. Plus, it also, like, has to do a lot about managing fan expectations. If we were really performing well and we're not in the position that we are in right now, say, for example, if over the last five years, instead of finishing behind Spurs, we'd been finishing in the top four every season, Integrating Willock into this team would be a much easier job than what it is right now because the manager does have the 
um, the freedom or the or like you know the the the, the space, the wiggle room to actually fit this guy, see how he progresses, experiment with him, and see how we could fit into this club. But right now we are in a situation where, like you mentioned, we've been finishing behind Spurs for five years. That is even worse than losing on European football. So when something of that sort, which our fans, especially like the, uh, the older fans like us who might have not experienced at all, uh, is is a lot of pressure on the club to qualify for Europe, to make sure that we're finishing at higher positions and all that. And at this point, we really do not have, if you think about it. Um, the room to experiment, the room to like give these potentially good stars the option to build and develop, unless you're like really good, like a Saka or Yesa. And these uh, Willock is definitely not at that level. So it's it's a combination of these factors. If we were like uh, Willock would have done really well under someone like a Wenger, because Wenger made sure that we finished at least in six spots with the Europa and everything, and he could have given him chances. But right now, we do not have the freedom to do that. So Willock again. He might have scored eight goals. It might have not all been fluke. It might have been like you know proper planning and everything. But he has to somehow replicate the same thing with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. He does not have. We do not have the time. We do not have the option of giving him the time, the freedom of giving him the time to develop again. And that's the reason why I feel like this possibly is a change that you're noticing. But but Deepak, can't uh, Willock take the position of say El Nini or Sabayas? he can definitely not he's not that kind of a player he's more of a box to box player yeah. who wants to get inside the no i'm not i'm not i'm not talking about replacing them in a playing sense but in a squad sense can he not get the same merits as a sabaya scott or or a or a elneny got in the team no because they are Sorry, one moment, Deepak. I know, yeah, I know. Sure. I'm talking out of turn. For me, yes, he can take up a position in the squad if that's what you're talking about. But if uh, a Sabayos uh, replacement is what Willock is going to be, and if we are happy if he performs to the level of Sabayos, then that's not right, right? So, no, I'm saying he would be better. I mean, at least uh, past statistics or the this new. Because of one doubt, no one doubt. Like, uh, what is the age of uh, Willock now? I think 20 right 19 or 20 so if he is under 21 you don't have to register him at all so he doesn't no, have to no. take anybody's space no, like not... you can play him anytime if you want like say we are loaning him so that like he can improve not because like we don't have squad uh, like we don't have like 25 players like uh, cannot be added more than like a, no i'm not i'm not i'm not you can play him anytime i'm not talking about the uh, uh, the squad depth or like the numbers count i'm talking about the number of minutes that he gets or being in the team right uh, yeah oh, no the reason why he can't get is like if it takes uh, uh, because just to add one point about like willapak replacing these people right like even if you see few minutes before when we were discussing i said willak doesn't have the physical ability and to play in that position right like to because like we need somebody in that position like uh, if you are going to replace that player and give willock the time right like he cannot play in that position because we need somebody with physical ability there but that's not why all like willock cannot not, play here not all games we could be playing like a team in in the bottom of the table we could play See, if you take the bottom of if you take bottom of the table the defenders are all like uh, gigantic and everybody like because they play yeah. the physical game as the only way of playing but that is the only way we can develop right as a as a young talent that is the only way we can develop we cannot develop an young talent by uh, or or we cannot always keep buying 
Yeah. No, even a great guy like Jack Wilshere, right? Like who has like shown lot of things in our thing. He has to spend one complete season in Bolton to develop his game because, like, see, you need to play day in day out for you to develop, and he cannot get that. In. See, we are not loaning other players because we see something in Joe Willock. That's why we are loaning him so that like he comes back as a complete material because he goes there and plays day in day out. And that's the only reason why we loan players too. So no, I I'm not loaning Willock. I'm 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 asking from the point of view where people are asking about like selling. Let's sell Willock for ten million. If we get ten million, let's sell sell Willock. No, that's because like uh, many people recently, right? They have seen lot of players with potential but not uh, going to the next level. You can say a lot of examples. Like, say people like Zelenam. Like, uh, I don't even know where he is now. Like, even if you take even Wenger, there are Frimpong was one example. Like, there were a like, lot of people. Like, uh, Frimpong was somebody who used to play with Wilshere, and they had that uh, mind coordination itself. That's what people used to say. And like, uh, both of them, like, uh, even after Jack Wilshere, after one or two seasons, right? He has completely gone out now. Everybody, for that matter, I think, like, you can say only Fabregas is the last person from academy. Van Persie. Van Persie. I mean, I'm not talking about academy. I'm saying like as a young player, we did develop Van Persie. We yeah. did develop Phil Schmidt. No, that's what we did uh, develop uh, Ramsey. We did develop no, Ramsey. Ramsey again, right? Like uh, is when he came, he said he had some like thing like as a potential player kind of thing. Tavares was like an unknown. Like these players are all like unknown. So that's why I compared it with them. So that's the reason why fans like when we say some potential, like say for example, they want them to sell like Iobi. Because they know they will fail in the future, but at least get the money now when like they are doing good. Hmm. Interesting. So that's the reason, like, uh, why people want him to be sold if he gets like twenty or twenty-five million. Because with that money, right, we can get a bigger player whom we want for the team. Well, uh, well, we'll see that in future. But talking about the improved players, I think it's time for us to move on to the next uh, one, which is players who have regressed so much. Non-billion category. Non-billion category. That's what I'm saying. Right? Oh, billion. Let's not, not even take a billion. Let's say because we do have a lot of players for so that position. So <laughs> the, then you should say the entire team, like say even if you take Auba, who was extraordinary, was really bad. Like it might be a one-off season for him, but it's still bad. Yeah, Auba yeah. should be considered in the in that category where he has regressed so much from twenty goals, twenty-two goals last season to ten goals this season. Of course, he had a lot of trouble, like with uh, with his family, with his mom getting sick, with his malaria, with everything. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not. I mean, I'm not. putting the reasons away but as a player he has regressed he has his regression has cost the team a lot and uh, oba should be considered in that in that uh, in that sense but uh, deepak do you have a player in mind first one is abu mayar which is an easy answer because we gave him like we expected him, like so much out of him but for me it would be pellerin i thought he wouldn't get worse He has gone to a stage. He has become even worse. So, but 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 six foul is... throws in a season. Six foul <laughs> throws in a season. See, those are all basics. Like you cannot uh, say anything to justify that. Yeah, but but Deepak, I mean, is Bellerin? Uh, I mean, uh, did you see the interview or whatever that Bellerin gave that he is he is going through a alcoholic phase and stuff like that. Do you think this is just uh, with Arsenal that Bellerin has regressed? Like, if he goes to say some other team, do you think he'll perform better? 
it is just that arsenal and bellerin has become a bad fit for each other no it is not arsenal it is just on that individual he lost his space he lost his space which was his main weapon yeah so see yeah, yeah go ahead no no that's what so i don't think like uh, he will like uh, do well even in other places but again we cannot generalize that because say if you're given to a very good coach that coach will try to get the best out of all his players like there are some coaches like that in that club right he might look good but like generally if you ask like whether like uh, if he goes to a normal team he will not do good hmm deepak continue i can understand this uh, like his depression and stuff that's like a Uh, what to say it's an unfortunate thing. it's like a huge issue which he might be having but uh, <laughs> i don't know like whether we can take that as like a reason for him to like performing like bad uh, no i'm he, not he I'm was not giving... great he was like really good he had one great season i would say not like three or four great seasons he had like one really good season and he had a very bad injury after that he has been like regressing season after season at least he is like he has been like on the same level for season after season it's okay we can like be happy but his level as is coming down it's like he's a player who is like moving towards like a retirement stage or something he's not just like old of 35 or 35 he's just still what 27 or yeah 27 i think yeah yeah so he he should be at a stage where his performance should be at the level at his peak at his peak but it has been like decreasing every single season and this has been as like what worst season in terms of numbers in terms of his gameplay everything when you like look bellerin is starting we are like oh no so he has reached that stage so for me he would be the most regressed player hmm. even though i want to say abumayan but still <laughs> uh, bellerin beats him <laughs> Helen who is your who is your most regressed player of the season other than Willian right like other than uh, Willian other Aubin. than Willian category come on <laughs> no it's Auba Auba no the see the reason why I'll say is like uh, there was like a scenario or like situation where we wanted Nakasate to start because Aubameyang doesn't do well at the center with the formation or whatever we were playing you are number one goal scorer for the last few season and you are seeing him that kind of a thing means like see whatever be is off like we when a player is off form right like we still play him give him more chances so that he comes back to form but with him right like we were not at all doing anything that was the situation that was happening so because of that i'll say him are you scared that this is going to be a scenario of ozil because ozil right now if you look at like we have been talking about like when we went through the bad phase uh we were talking about oh put ozil in the team it's it's fine he will create something no, no, no. better so than ozil scenario but now no, he ozil... is completely like if you can if you talk to anyone uh, uh from from turkish league they are saying ozil is like shit now literally no no, no ozil is a different category altogether the reason is see until emery stopped him right like uh, even when emery stopped him it was like because of like uh, his attitude like he was stopping him not because he was like not performing well or anything it was like he was not ready to put that effort see abhimang is not that case like uh, he's ready to put it but like uh, i don't think like see one other thought like that runs in my mind is like auba we made him as a captain and i'm not sure whether like uh, that was trusted to him because i've never seen him coming and facing the media when the team was down or everything every time right he was putting the responsibility to somebody else 
see that could also be a factor like why like uh, is game play because like some people right like they want to just do their work when you give them more work right uh, their uh, output gets affected maybe that could be a reason but like uh, that is what like with ozil right it was completely a very big attitude issue which could not be sorted out by many people like and like uh, after some time right like it went to a stage like where he didn't care about anything and that is what has happened once you go to that stage right you stop being a professional and mm-hmm. that's what is happening in turkish league for him oba mm-hmm. has not gone to that category it is just more like uh, maybe age has caught up with him he's not the same old uh, oba like because he's in the 30s right like uh, not like the previous uh, this thing some reflexes are not the same so maybe that is the reason he's failing or because of all the other factors including this thing but if he continues like that the next season also right he can very well go into the ozil category okay arun so aba out bellerin out what's your who's your player who is i have i have actually uh, if, since you said no william obviously william was going to be my choice since you said no william uh like ellen said at the beginning we have to name the entire three team you know <laughs> but then out of the entire team i i feel that three people for me have regressed the most to have been named by um uh, ellen and deepak which are alba and uh, baron of course uh but one more player i don't know which of these regressed the most of the three uh, probably to be baron but one more player that uh, i would like to bring attention on is leno for me from where he was last season and what the, the his form last season prompted us to like keep him and and sell martinez i'm not going to go back to that like whole debate of martinez or leno you know that was done we chose leno but then after choosing leno um, i don't think any of us expected him to make the number of mistakes that he did he's a fantastic shot stopper no denying that uh, but outside of his shot stopping all the other areas seem to have regressed a lot more his distribution was bad but it's gotten worse at least before it would fall into the opposition player inside the pitch now his long balls are not staying inside the pitch it's always going out you know that's a major factor his command bad it's not improved in any way his communication has gone down uh, the the jaka goal again the one against brighton everybody was to blame for that goal Uh, you know anyone could have done something better than so if you're going to be saying that jack has to blame for that goal i think leno has to take equal blame so at that point uh, i think leno for me is probably one of the most regressed players i would put him maybe more than abameyang because abameyang had had all those factors uh, maybe on par with beren because again if you think about it leno did not have an injury he did not have any breaks during the season right so he was someone who was a constant week in week out and we did not even have a good backup keeper for most of the season so he was the one doing things which pretty much made no competition for him because he knew that even if he did make 10 mistakes in a game arda does not going to play uh, player in us so it, uh, for me it kind of made him complacent and, and and after that point it just seemed like uh, the mistakes outside of his shot stopping were just going on increasing so for me leno is is a big big thing i i wasn't expecting this from him so the regression in terms of no external factors affecting performance for me is leno hmm. interesting uh, professor, you... before you go in is it just one player or can we say one more player <laughs> you can say one more player of course go ahead no this might be like controversial for many but i will say parte also in this i was going to bring parte into the discussion but then like the, we, he he 
he that was his first season of properly playing with us, right? So I didn't think that would be like uh, no, but like the reason why I wanted to include was also like say beginning he had injuries and everything, but like even if you see the last few games, right? There were games where he was like getting the ball, like winning it properly, but immediately losing it. Yeah. The party's level is not that. Like, and yeah. we cannot say like at the end of a season that he's still not like uh, knowing what the team is doing or like not. Uh, properly involved with the team like so that's why i want to bring pate also in this mixture mm-hmm. yeah actually and we can also add gabriel <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but to uh, to go back to arun's point about leno i think a couple of factors might might influence that which is like he was the only keeper who was play, playing all the games maybe fatigue was a factor and this is a season which had games every Three, three days once, right? Like, and he he has been the keeper for it. And if you consider like the last year or so, we have this is the first time we have had a gap in our season, even as fans, right? There was never a gap in the season. There was always a game, like every two days, every three days, we had a game to talk about. We have a game to see, and that is a huge factor for a keeper, especially if he's playing week in and week out or day in and day out. And that was. that is one of the reasons why i think leno suffered a little bit and the other reason i think for me is also the un uh, or instability at the back we never had a stable back four we back never four. had a we never had a center back pairing that stayed together for more than two games it was constantly switching and so the constant chopping and changing of the defense would have made it i'm not giving reasons but i think these would have contributed to what leno was doing but i also think the other side of the story is true where he is where he has come out and said that he is open for um, experiences elsewhere like moves elsewhere so i think he might be regretting his decision of of being at arsenal he's not thing just asking things like say we wanted to move from the back right like pass it from the back to create all our things Leno was not comfortable with that. Like, and pushing him to do that regularly, like, did it have an impact on his performance? I think so. Making I, him do things like which he is not comfortable at all. I, I think that is part of the reason why he is not comfortable with Arsenal. Uh, right, Deepak? Do you have a say in this? See, like, a player should be like ready to improve himself in other areas which he is not good at. No, If I'm not saying not willing to do that. Yeah, I'm not saying no, no. what he does is correct, but I'm saying that is also a factor that is pushing him out of the. No, team. improving is different, but like there are certain areas, right? Whatever we do, we cannot improve beyond certain level. See, yeah. this entire thing, right, was depending on him giving like long passes to a longer area or like starting the attack completely from him, like uh, which is like asking him to do completely learn a new thing altogether and excel in that in a very short time, because there was a period where the entire attack was based on that. If David Lewis was injured, right? Like there was nobody to pass it, and like it will always be given to Leno to do that. Yeah, that but it it shouldn't like for me. It shouldn't affect your like what you are supposed to do. If you if you try to improve one thing, and if it is not going good in that sense, it shouldn't affect your other like what. No, that I agree. That do. I agree. That so, I agree. But like I was just trying to ask like all these factors put yeah, together as an like, impact. Yeah. Because he like, now said like he might leave also because he's yeah. not happy to play here. 
Yeah, playing week in week out for a goalkeeper is not that. A not much team. fatigue. It's not a yeah. fatigue uh, issue. It thing. is not a fatigue issue. Not for... not in other teams, but in Arsenal, <laughs> it is a fatigue thing, right? Like I mean, <laughs> what can what can because every game we know that Arsenal can do something that Ars- that will affect Arsenal. So yeah. that fear that is, that is <laughs> playing week in and week out. Um, but but well, to cut yeah. players were responsible for us being in that position in the first place, right? So I yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like no, Leno has played in the past where we were continuously allowing others to give shots. Yeah. He had to work more than many keepers, and there also, right? Martinez was not playing anywhere. Leno was playing everywhere. So fatigue cannot be an issue for a goalkeeper as much compared to the other players. Uh, okay, so let me cut off the Leno discussion right there because we have been going uh, at it a long yeah. time. So, um, one more person that I want to quickly touch upon is Sabayas because we were yeah. talking about, I mean, we uh, in this part, we were never impressed with Sabayas, but uh, people were celebrating like we got a very good player when we signed him back, but uh, he has regressed so much. He has, he has been, uh, <laughs> Literally ba- very bad, uh, and I don't... But the good thing is we don't have to worry about him next season. We don't. I, I, I hope we don't have to. Worry we never about him. know. We never I, know. Yeah, <laughs> I hope we don't. Uh, we don't have to worry about him next season, and uh, that is uh, that is what it is. But talking about uh, talking about Sabayas and all those things, like um, just a quick touch up on like expectations versus reality. What happened at the start of the season? What we were expecting to what we ended up. Uh, I think most of most of I think Arun and Ellen both of you expected us to finish in top four. Arun said top five. I no, think. top top six. Top six. Top six. six, uh, yeah, top not, six. Arun not said champion. <laughs> so where do you... I don't know how I can how I can atone for all those things. <laughs> See, you have to understand. You have to understand. Like uh, that was predicted when like we won the FA Cup under Arteta. We had a good like uh, restart like uh, after the. Covid restart, right? We had a good uh, run under Arteta, and even this season, we started with one or two like good victories at that time. Like till West Ham, like we were good. So this was predicted at that time. Even then, like we were careful not to predict huge and like to predict a year of Even that. Uh, uh, okay, let's go quickly into the player of the season contenders. I'll start with Ellen. Ellen, who's your player of season? Just uh, in a couple. I will. No, I think like. Uh, I want to like uh, say ESR because of him only the changes happened, but I'll still go with Saka because he played at different positions that he excelled everywhere. Great, Deepak, who's your player of season? Easy, yeah. Saka. Saka, Saka is everyone's. Uh, Arun, do you think Saka is our player of the season? Saka. Yeah. That's a, that's unanimous actually. But, uh, I mean, I I thought of the same too that Saka is our player of season, but very closely. Followed by ESR, like Ellen said, he cha- he changed the way we are uh, are we viewed our season after he came in. Yeah. Whether it is because of him or because of system change or something else, click. No, I will say because of him only we escaped relegation. Because even <laughs> you can say Odegaard came and did the same. Because of ESR success only we understood we need a proper ten and we got Odegaard in January. Mm-hmm. So again for that, like ESR played a big role. For um, me, why Saka was even during that. Like, horrible. Yeah, Saka was a better player. Saka was better the player for the entire time. Yeah. Positive thing that was happening in Arsenal. He was the and only player. Not any position, left back, like whatever position you play him, like on the right wing, left wing, everywhere, like he played well. 
Yeah. Cannot deny that. I mean, there is no question of asking anyone else being the player of the season there. Uh, Saka is the unanimous choice, but I would throw in ESR and uh, Shaka being being uh, very good yeah, throughout the season. We can say one, two, three. Yeah, one, those two, three would be yeah. Yeah, those three. Uh, but anyways, uh, it's been a nice spot, guys. I thought we'll finish it up uh, because we've been going at it for a very long time. Uh, thank you so much for joining in. We'll probably do some more uh, as this uh, as this break break period is there. So we will talk about like Arteta. We'll talk about other stuff uh, soon. Uh, transfers. We'll, yeah, transfers would be there. So yeah, thank you so much for joining in. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. And that is the end of the pod. For more Arsenal-related content, please. Like, subscribe, and share to the Awake Owners Podcast. See you next week. Oh, no! Oh, no!